everyone welcome back to another episode of reconcile this in the land of living skies our beautiful city saskatoon winter is coming to an end yay today we will be interviewing a woman who was born in the democratic republic of congo and spent most of her life in sierra leone and kenya seven years ago she moved to canada with her family as refugees she is very passionate about her community and has been involved as a volunteer, interpreter, student intern, student assistant, and community activist. Her most significant achievement was to represent minorities at the Saskatoon City Council to speak against racism. In addition to breaking the intercultural barriers through language and empowering sexual and domestic violence survivors, our guest is currently a talk show host on Heart to Heart, where she and her siblings aim to show how humanity is interconnected through stories. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest for the evening is none other than Alberta Muembo. Give a shout out. <laughs> oh my goodness. That was very lengthy, but thank you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And thanks a lot, Sienna, for that intro. I feel like if I was the one who was making the intro, I'll say, hey, my sister's on the show. <laughs> Welcome, my sister. But Sienna, you did a really good job. So um, I, we'll dive right into it. We moved to Canada seven years ago as refugees. And prior to moving, we had this image of Canada being this perfect place. You know, everyone has, I feel like almost everyone has a little beef with Americans in a sense. But when it comes to Canada, even at the embassy, we felt like everyone was nice. So when we came, we realized, I, I should also say that we had, I don't know for you, but I had never met an indigenous person in my life. I'd never seen one face to face ever in my life, just from movies and even the movies, scarcely in movies. So when we came, we realized that it's not a, a perfect country. It's a great country, amazing opportunities. It's not a perfect country. So I will dive right into it. What got you interested into reconciliation and why do you think it is of utmost importance? First of all, like where we come from, we mm -hmm. come from the DRC and the country currently is at war. Mm -hmm. And so it would be unfair that just because I moved to Canada, I forget where I come from. I forget the reason why I'm in Canada. The first reason is because there's war in my country. So there has not been an effective reconciliation between our people. And so moving to Canada and seeing the division between first primarily indigenous people and Canadians, that was heartbreaking. Mm. It's something that we were not told during the orientation. Mm. We're told all the nice things about Canada other than the orientation because it would be unfair to say that uh, it's just because of the orientation. The movies in Africa, the media in Africa, it's all about a perfect Western world. Which is, and that's the contrary here. Here in Canada, I learned about so many negative things about Africa than in Africa. It seems like Westerners know so much about the negativity in Africa and Africans know so much about the positivity of Westerners. And so that alone was a culture shock, knowing that indigenous people are being racialized, discriminated, mm. and I decided to take a First Nation Indigenous Studies class and I learned a lot about the colonization, so much about their history. And I felt like these are human beings 
we're all human beings and there should be a way to reconcile. Of course, I'm not the one who has the solution, but we can all work together to create a better Canada. And mm. So that was what mm. really got me. Uh, just seeing that it's all human beings having just a misunderstanding or having some beliefs that divide us mm. and me coming as an African from somewhere where there's war, it wouldn't be right just to fold my arms and just look at things unfold the way they are because they will inf- impact me one way or the other, whether I like it or not. Yeah. Mm. I'm interested, Alberta, to wonder what maybe drove you to discover the differences uh, or at least discover what was happening uh, in Indigenous communities compared to when you first came here. Mm -hmm. Was there some interaction or uh, maybe just a longevity of not knowing and feeling like you were missing something? Mm -hmm. So when we first came, we were told, and it wouldn't be nice to mention who told us, right? But we were told the first day that be careful, there are First Nations here. Most of them are drunkards or are into, you know, all these things that can scare you from approaching people. But the fact that they're First Nations was something that I was very curious of. I really wanted to know their history. I love history. So I really wanted to know their history. There should be a reason why they are drunkards, for instance, like we were told. I wanted to know the reason behind the root of of all the problem why are they drunkards as we were told or why are they thugs as we were told i wanted to know that so that's why when there were activities on campus that involved indigenous people for instance the powwow sorry if i'm not pronouncing it correctly i was volunteering there just because i wanted to know i started volunteering there and i realized that that was not true slowly this stereotypes started breaking down because I started interacting with the indigenous people at these events. I have pictures there and it was fun. I didn't see anything abnormal or scary as I was told. And then that's when now I took the First Nation or it's called Indigenous Studies course. And then that's that was the beginning of it. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Also, knowing Danny as well, I wonder what caused the desire or passion to advocate for Indigenous people or be vocal about injustices towards Indigenous women more specifically? For Indigenous women, when I went to the course, I learned a lot about the damage that was done. One of the things was that they were putting either drugs or something just to sedate them so that they can easily take whatever that belonged to them, example, land um, and so many other things, taking children by force from them. And this trauma, you know, whenever someone goes through pain, they will want to forget about it with something, whatever. It can be drugs. Some people, they can turn to, unfortunately, pornography, just something that will make them forget the pain, right? And in this case, most of them, unfortunately, became addicted to whatever drugs that was put in, in the drinks or food or what whatnot. And it affected their relationship. You know, anybody that is addicted to something does not have a coherent relationship with family and friends, right? And they can be unable to be, if they're parents, they will not be good parents. And this will be passed down from generation to generation. And these relationships that were not so good had a a more impact 
on the women, the indigenous women. And it's very unfortunate that there's a lot of work being done, but it's still, I feel like it's not enough. The reason why I'm saying that is because I got an opportunity to work with Open Door. I went to volunteer. They had some events with the YWCA. So when I went there, most of the women that were at the event were First Nations. And they had very traumatizing stories, very traumatizing experiences. Some of them were younger than me. Now, I come from somewhere where there's war and we can give the excuse that anywhere where there's conflict, sexual violence is used as a weapon of war. But here in Canada, you know, there's peace and there's peace, there's democracy, you know, just name everything, there's justice. But these women are experiencing exactly what the women in my country is experiencing. Why is that? Is because there's not been an effective communication, effective relationship, and they've never had the time to heal from the past trauma, mm-hmm. you know? And unfortunately, they're continuously being discriminated, not only by Canadians, by, but also by refugees mm-hmm. and newcomers. Because, like, for instance, if I didn't take the Indigenous Studies class, or if I wasn't curious, curious, sorry, about history, I would still be discriminating First Nations because of what I was told, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so I can understand when someone is just new in Canada and they see First Nation, they start holding their bag or they don't want to talk to the First Nation. Mm-hmm. I can totally understand them because I don't know what they were told. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all that, and then seeing those women there, my heart just, I was really torn apart because there's a lot of women who want to come here because they believe that they'll be treated fairly. But then the owners of the land Mm -hmm. are experiencing exactly what women in third world countries are experiencing. You see, Mm -hmm. that's very unfair. Despite the resources, there's a lot of resources here, but they don't have access to it. So that really, it tore my heart. I, I, I don't know what words to use, but when I went there, and I was told to just do something, just anything that will encourage them because they, they were quiet, just looking at me. And then I just thought, okay, I'm just going to share my story of how I moved to Canada. And I just shared my story and oh, they were, and some of them started crying. And one of them said, are you in school? Because like I said, some of them were younger than me. And then I said, yeah, I'm in school. And said, wow, then that means I can go back to school. I was shocked. Like, she has never seen someone that was older than her going back to school. For her, she was really old for school. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, you know, we think we need to be very strategic. We need plans. We need funding. But sometimes they just need to hear your story. Mm-hmm. So this is someone who had given up on school because they thought that they're old. I don't know. They never had a chance to hear someone else talk to them. But when they heard my story, that I didn't have the opportunity to go to school for some time because my parents didn't have money. But here you have free education and they were, wow. So I can still go back to school. And I thought, wow, I don't need to have a PhD. I don't need to have all these things that we think we should have. I just need to share my story from my heart and it can change somebody's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I wish he was talking like this to me each day at home. <laughs> Conversations at home are so heated. It's not like this. It's not this calm. But I don't know which question I should ask. I have a question about race and I have a question about your YouTube channel. Because I know that from there you start you started having the idea. Well, you were having the idea of making a YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. I was one of the people, unfortunately, I'm sorry, who was discouraging you. I was like, yeah, that thing is just a waste of time. <laughs> just focus on your books, get a job, you know. But you started a YouTube channel because, well, I'll let you explain why you started the YouTube channel. In addition to explaining why you started the YouTube channel, what do you intend to achieve with this channel? And do you actually believe it will make a difference in this city? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I started my YouTube channel when COVID started. I had a lot of challenges getting a full-time job because I was done with exams and then I was looking now for a full-time job. I was working part-time. But now when school closes, you need more money. But COVID hit and everything changed Danny, you know, I tried applying, <laughs> but it wasn't, everyone was saying, like oh, 30 places. Or yeah, 30 yeah. Places. So I, then I thought, okay, let me just try something. And I, I didn't even like have a structured plan or something. I just told myself, well, let me just try this YouTube thing that everyone is trying. And I tried it. Uh, funny enough, I invited someone and I wrote the questions down. I sent it to him. He came and he's like, this is a very, it's a perfect idea, Alberta. Why don't you get funding and start interviewing people? And I was like, come on, like, who's even going to watch this? And he's like, no, I'm serious. This is a really, it's a good idea. And when that person, after that interview with that person, and he told me that it's a good idea, then I thought, wow, then this is something serious. Now, instead of just playing with it, I want to do something that will have an impact on just anyone that watches it. So my goal was not primarily my goal. Yes, I need subscribers, but my goal is not subscribers. Because if if I shift my focus from my goal and just thinking about subscribers, then I'll be recording anything, anytime, anyhow. So my goal is really to show the world that we are all interconnected. Humanity is interconnected. It's more like if you take a DNA test, most people, you know, when you look at someone, you see that oh, they're black or they're white or they're whatever you can label them. But when you take a DNA test and you'll be surprised that you might have an ancestor who was white, you might have an ancestor who was black. That's the same way with stories. I have, I'm yet to interview someone that I don't feel connected in their story. Even people that I don't know, because I've interviewed my brother's friends. We've never had a conversation, but when they share their stories, I think I've, there are parts of their stories and I feel like this is, this sounds like me. And I believe that anyone that watches any of their stories, like it's not yet professional or anything. I don't have a perfect software, but just listening to it, everyone, I believe that it can change lives. For example, there's a girl who, just for the purpose of this, I'm going to use white, black, and whatnot so that we, we can understand who is white. And according to her, she told me that she she had always been in a school where she was the minority, meaning that everyone else was not white. And so according to her, when it comes to racism or uh, discrimination, all that's, you know, she overlooks it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, but if you know white privilege, like we come from a place where it was not 
we were not seeing white people like we see right now. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, there's a strong inferiority complex among non-whites because of various reasons. But for black people in particular, Africans is because of colonization. In Africa, if you're white, you can come to Africa without even documents. They may overlook you just because you're white. But if you're black, if you're African-American, Caribbean, they're going to make sure you go back and get your papers. That's an inferiority complex, you see. And if, okay, maybe that, okay, that's politics. But if I bring it down to a personal story, my dad said, he shared with me a personal story that when he was young, when he just finished university, he decided to go and help people who to, to work in places where they have no doctors, like in rural areas where they have no doctors at all. Because in Africa, you have cities, you have towns, then you have villages, there are people, then you have like deep in the bush, like the jungle, mm-hmm. what you call the jungle. Cars can't go there. That's where my dad went to work. Mm-hmm. Not because he couldn't work in the city, but he had a heart to serve people who couldn't afford healthcare like people here or people in the city. Mm-hmm. So when he moved there, everything was great for some time, but it was a bit challenging because they couldn't really accept the fact that a black man, African, could be a doctor. Mm. These are black within, people. Within his country. In his country. Yeah. These are black people. So one time, that, that was the, it was so challenging for my dad to help them, mm-hmm. his own people. His own That's people. because of colonization, you know. In colonization, our ancestors were told, uh, using the Bible in uh, Genesis that were the descendants of Ham. Ham was cursed when he saw Noah naked and then Canaan, Noah cursed Canaan and then all of a sudden Canaan's descendants became black. And so when you're black, you're stupid. You can't amount Sorry, to... can I jump into that? That's like what we're told, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's not like... I mean, there are different ways of interpreting that scripture. Exactly. But that's yeah. what was brainwashed into, into our, our ancestors. Into our ancestors, yeah. like yeah. up to my, my great-grandparents. So if they see you're white, for instance, my dad finished till uh, university, right? Mm. But if you're white, you did till high school. They'll think you're smarter than my dad, even mm-hmm. if you maybe you haven't, you don't even have a high school diploma mm-hmm. just because you're white. Mm-hmm. So that happened to my dad. And at that time, there were some kids from Denmark, high school kids. They came for whatever missions. You know, everyone goes for mission trips for different reasons. And it happened that these Danish kids were in my country at the same time my dad was working there. And one day, my dad was the only doctor around with those Danish kids. And some man came, a man came rushing in and saying, I want to meet the doctor. I want to see the doctor. And the nurse said, yeah, the doctor's right there. And he said, no, that can't be the doctor. And then he points at the Danish kid from high school and said, that's the doctor. They tried to talk to him like, no, come, this is a doctor. To convince that man, my dad said, instead of him losing his life, I'll just give instructions to this Danish kid and the mm-hmm. Danish kid is gone. So my dad gave instructions to the Danish kid and the Danish kid did whatever my dad told him to do and the man left. But this is someone that will have died. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he came for an emergency, mm-hmm. but he could just he just couldn't accept that a black man can be a doctor. Mm-hmm. No, no, it can't be. No, you, you're black like me, you're, you're a doctor. Mm-hmm. No. So you see, those are strong inferiority complex. So if... A white person is a minority in 
maybe other, I don't know about the Asian culture that much, but in an African school, chances are, yeah, there may be people who will call them racial slurs, like you white kid like that, but they'll always be treated higher. Mm -hmm. Like a God. Like a God. Literally. I'm serious about that. So when she says, like, I'm not going to say that, oh, she's lying. No, no, no. I'm Mm -hmm. not saying that. I'm just giving an example. Like Mm -hmm. within the black community, specifically African community, when you're white, you're the minority. (laughs) It's another treatment. Mm -hmm. They treat you like a God, period. So, yeah, I've been the minority all my life. Uh, I just moved to Saskatoon and all of a sudden, yeah, I understand that black people are the minority. Versus, like she was sort of, you know, thinking, oh, I've been a minority too. Hey. Mm-hmm. You know, when you talk about racism, she'll be like, what about me too? Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> so now it happened as she watched one of my YouTube videos. I had an interview with someone that this is a professor, university professor that mm-hmm. experienced racism. And she just said, wow, I didn't know that it was that deep. Because now this professor was going into depth, right? Breaking down all the terms and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So she was like, wow, I didn't didn't think about it that way. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Alberta. Mm -hmm. So that's a success story for me. So the interconnectivity there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That we all have for sure. And it's easier... It's easy to not see it at all, but when you mm-hmm. break down that we're, again, even as simple as we all bleed red, yeah. we all have our own experiences for sure, but we all can connect to each other's stories because exactly. our stories are make, what makes us human and we're all human mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that would be, I'll have one final question and then I'll switch it to Sienna and then we can move, we can freestyle from there, I guess. <laughs> but I like how you put it. You are even the one who encouraged me to take the indigenous studies class. And mm-hmm. my professor, Wynona, she was amazing, amazing, mm-hmm. amazing woman. So race is a sensitive topic. Mm-hmm. It's a topic that stirs a lot of emotion. Mm-hmm. I, and recently we see how it's blown over with uh, Prince Harry and Meghan right. talking about right. what happened at Buckingham Palace and allegedly uh, racial slurs used toward their son Mm -hmm. and we even in our own house (laughs) we've seen how at times this conversation around race explodes whether it's interracial marriage or bleaching skin and all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff right Mm -hmm. so with all your experience and with all your knowledge how do we best address this issue in such a way that even if we don't agree we still respect each other Mm -hmm. because right now the divide between leftist ideology and right ideology mm-hmm. it's just going wider and wider and wider okay. and the reason why i feel that that's dangerous there are sometimes legitimate issues that people make light of for mm-hmm. example sexual assault on women mm-hmm. because of the way most i'm going to generalize here most uh, right-wingers view feminists and they call them even feminazi mm-hmm. there are times there's some like some stories or some accounts that are legitimate that are painful that are harsh I, I was looking at the jeffrey epstein documentary i was like oh as a christian i know she's supposed to feel mercy and all that but i was like this guy is evil mm-hmm. you know 14 year old girls and all this and so because the, the, the divide is it, it keeps getting wider and wider how do you in your opinion how do we best address an issue as sensitive as race Mm. You know, yeah. how do we address it in such a way that, if, you know, at, we've realized at times you may have a heated debate and at the end of the day, we don't agree. And that's mm. okay, but we can still respect each other. Absolutely. Yeah. Like we started off when I mentioned that everybody's story is pretty much like a, like a DNA. If you take mm. a DNA test, 
you're going to be surprised to find out that you have some white in you or I don't know, Asian in you. Some just pretty much the whole world is interconnected Mm -hmm. through stories Mm -hmm. and through a DNA test. Mm -hmm. Now, in 2010, I don't know if you heard this, there was a black couple, Nigerian, that gave birth to a blonde, blue-eyed baby. At first, they thought it was an albino, but they did all sorts of tests, and this was in the UK, Mm -hmm. but it was white. They tried to find out few traces back like grandparents, great-grandparents if they were white, but nothing, all black, right? So what does this tell us? It tells us that really we have come up with terms, and I'm not doubting culture. In fact, even if we talk about culture, when we we see white people that were born in Africa, they behave like black people. <laughs> I'm serious. <Whoa. laughs> They be like they. In fact, they're more African than black. Yes, yeah, <laughs> honestly, even than the Arab it's, Africans. Yeah, oh my goodness. yeah. The white, the white Africans are proud of being African. They are African so, themselves. So, like, oh my goodness. I, I met one on campus, and he he kept on walking barefoot because he he grew up in the African firm, yeah. barefoot or with flip flops, like and shorts like that's typical farm boy <laughs> or shamba boy, as we will say. Yeah. But now. We have come up with terms, a lot of scientific terms and all sociological terms that divide us, Mm. right? And I think what I really believe is that those terms could be used actually to beautify diversity, but because of maybe one person or 10 people that we've met I'm I'm not denying the trauma, then we label an entire group that, oh, those people are usually like this, or that people is usually like that. And then when we keep on repeating a certain negative term, it becomes the truth. Mm-hmm. It becomes our truth, not mm-hmm. the truth, because the truth is 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 neutral, is mm-hmm. perfect, but our truth. Yeah. So in the same way when it comes to race relations, we know about, for instance, terrorist attacks. If we now start looking at someone that's an Arab, like, oh my gosh, yeah, these people are, they are terrorists, you know? Mm -hmm. We will miss out on so many things. Mm -hmm. When we we moved to Kenya as refugees, the people that were always helping us were Muslims. Mm -hmm. Somali Muslims. We never asked for help, but the church didn't come to help us. Because my parents worked in the church all their lives. Mm-hmm. All my dad had opportunities to work with the government and all that. No, he was like, no, I'm only going to work with the church. But no, they were not there for us in the beginning. Mm-hmm. No, it was Muslims that came. They were when they cook food, they'll bring for us. They were always there for us. So suppose we were like, oh no, you know, Muslims are terrorists. And at that time in 1998 and all those years, there were terrorist attacks in Kenya. Mm-hmm. By, by Al-Qaeda. Exactly. Yeah. But we ne- But I, I really thank God for my parents because they never instilled in us that, oh, if you see someone wearing a hijab or what, they're terrorists, okay? They never mm-hmm. instilled that. And I, I think that's why when the, the Muslims uh, community that was surrounding us, because we lived in, a, in an area where there were predominantly lots of Somalis and they're very Muslim, they really saw us that we were not treating them differently. And that's why when we, we didn't have money, they were like, well, come, get food, come. Like that, like, they'll bring it for us, mm-hmm. right? So when it comes to race relations, number one, get rid of 
all the stereotypes that we've created, mm-hmm. you know, the hateful ones. You know, there's some funny stereotypes here, <laughs> but the hateful ones, let's get rid of that. Knowing that when there's an incident that happens or a story that happens, I always say there are three sides to a story. Your truth, my truth, and the truth. Mm-hmm. We can never know the truth if we are only one-sided or biased. And we will never get to live in harmony if we strongly hold on to those negative stereotypes. Because believe it or not, we need one another. We, there's no way we can make it. Like right now we're talking about the left and the right. There's no way the right can make it alone. Mm-hmm. There are things that the left has that the right needs. There are mm-hmm. things that the right has that the left needs. Mm-hmm. That's what we're failing to see. And like I mentioned the Nigerian couple, I mentioned that because I think nature or God, or whatever you believe in, I believe in God, was trying to laugh at us. Like, you know, because we're always thinking, now I'm imagining if that blue eye blonde Nigerian baby grows up, and some, let's say some extreme leftist black people sees them and be like, your ancestors took us to slavery without knowing that the parents are black. <laughs> your ancestors are the ones who colonized us. Your ancestors are this, that. And the baby would be confused. Like, what are you talking about? My parents are black. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if we get rid of that, we won't tell mean words to that baby. Right. I, I hope I'm making sense. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, sense. that's for me. So for me, to in order to get rid of racism, number one, we need to sit down, listen to everybody's story. Because believe it or not, right now, everyone is hurting. Mm-hmm. Everyone is hurting that we don't want to listen to one another. And that's why we're drifting apart. If we can listen to one another without even agreeing, you know, just you Mm -hmm. listening to me makes me feel very valued. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't agree with me, just sitting down and just listening to me, Mm -hmm. it's the beginning of peace. That's Mm -hmm. what I believe. But we are like, oh, you're talking about this. No, I don't agree with that. And then I get up, I walk away. We will not live in harmony. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and, And my fear is that Right now, we're trying to get a solution to racism, create a solution to racism, and this is particularly minorities. Most minorities, especially the ones that are far left, are trying to create a solution by all this cancel culture, taking down statutes. I understand, and I talked to someone, and the person said, Talk to someone who went through the Holocaust. Ask them how they'll feel if they see a statue of Hitler or, you know, of the Nazi. They'll feel traumatized in the same way. If all these statues are still there, we will also feel traumatized. I I don't doubt that. But now the other people, the white people, are feeling, that the, especially the ones on the right, are feeling oppressed mm-hmm. right now because, number one, we're not listening to one another. Mm-hmm. And even on the comment section, if you look, I don't know if how many of you have gone on the comment section. Mm-hmm. I've read this more than 10 times. Some, a white person will be like, isn't this also racism? And, uh, or aren't you also discriminating? And then some black person will say, we felt this way for the past 400 years. Now it's your turn. Mm-hmm. That's not the solution mm-hmm. for me. Because the day now those ones who have children, they'll be telling their children, you know, this is what happened, this is what happened. The day, one day those children will rise up also and say, we've been oppressed. It will be a cycle. Mm-hmm. It will be a cycle and no solution. Mm-hmm. That's my fear.
Mine too. Mine too. Mm -hmm. And it's very easy to uh, inherit all those beliefs. I mean, that's how I think most of people, mostly everyone, I mean, everyone carries and grows up with these biased um, Mm -hmm. and prejudiced thoughts and feelings kind of just being absorbed into them. But the cycle is happening and it's vicious. Mm -hmm. And uh, the more Mm -hmm. that we share and talk and you know, I'm, I I don't know where anyone else is coming from, but as far as I'm coming from, I'm not trying to punish anyone for exactly. what may what your ancestors may or may not have done because I also don't know who your ancestors are. Exactly. No, I want I want to be heard, and I want the person beside me to be heard too, whether mm-hmm. or not I agree with them. We all deserve that chance yeah. to have mm-hmm. our voice heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's it's one of the reasons why with the idea of creating this podcast, I was telling um, I remember telling Carrie like. The it's true. The, I think the extreme of each political party is wrong. Like extreme yeah. right is, yeah. they're racist. Mm-hmm. They can be overtly racist. Mm-hmm. The extreme left also have their flaws. Exactly. And I, I feel like the more, like you said, the more because right now the people that if we're to have an honest dialogue, one of the people who feel like they can't quote unquote say. breathe mm-hmm. are white males. They feel Absolutely. like oh my goodness, women are attacking us, minorities are attacking us, mm-hmm. and like you said, it can create this cycle. And I remember telling. Telling Carrie, I feel like we should. One of the reasons for this podcast is let's try to listen from the other person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So long as there's respect, yeah. of Absolutely. course. So long as there's respect, let's let's see where this other person is coming from. Let's mm-hmm. see. No matter, even if our opinion may be right and it's proven that their opinion is wrong, let's see where they're coming mm-hmm. from because that's the only way we can move to solution. But yes, Sienna, yeah, go ahead. That's very true. That's mm-hmm. very true. Uh, I would like to ask another question. Uh, mm-hmm. So, although as we even stated, no political party is perfect. Mostly those on the extreme right or extreme left tend to make headlines. Not too long ago, Marianne Williamson, an amazing and phenomenal author and a Democratic candidate for the 2020 U.S. election, recently said that the left are mean and she receives better treatment from Fox News. What are your thoughts on her comments? What I think, personally, what I think Can I just say something quickly? I never made the connection that that was Marianne Williamson, the author. All along, as just, just oh, U.S. elections, ah, oh, it's drama and all this. <laughs> and then after she dropped out of there, she's like, "Huh, Marianne Williamson, there's something just going on in my head." And I'm like, "Oh, I used to read her books back <laughs> in ninth grade." And I was like, "Oh, she's the you know in in the Coach Carter the movie mm-hmm. uh, Samuel L. Jackson would constantly ask the Latina guy who had the Afro who was causing trouble, "What's your biggest fear? What's your biggest fear?" Mm-hmm. Then at the end, he says. Uh, something along the lines of our biggest fear is not that we are inadequate but that we're too powerful it's not that we're afraid of the darkness but we're afraid of light that's a quote by marianne williamson Mm. and i said i was like why didn't you guys let that woman win (laughs) i i'm not i'm not trying to sound weird like if i was in the u.s i'm voting for that woman i know she's running democratic she was running for the democratic Party. i would vote for i like her mind she's she, she has a lot of new age philosophy but she has this nice i care about nature i care about people very nice person really mm-hmm. i mean if you no matter how right wing this is a nice person i i was disappointed i was like oh my goodness that i can i can vouch for to be the first female president but yeah alberta go ahead what did you think about her comments anyway i think personally when i look at american politics i think that she should have expected the unexpected mm-hmm. after especially after the trump hillary campaign you know 90 percent of my friends were thinking that hillary was going to be president and so i think that would have been a lesson for her it would have been a big lesson for her because there's a big change 
in our generation especially it's no longer like before you can easily predict that oh this person will win because they're eloquent or because of the books they wrote i don't think this generation is looking at that mm -hmm. right now this generation is looking at mostly is this person how is this person going to treat me or you know it's more about in a way a little bit selfish compared to the previous generations so i don't know exactly what her campaign was for or what she advertised what she promised the people i don't know well, well okay well her, her disappointment was not so much that they didn't let her win mm -hmm. her disappointment if i can paraphrase at least the way i understood her and fox was that the left mm -hmm. or the party she runs for preaches tolerance we're right. tolerant we're right. open-minded just you know they preach mm -hmm. that yet Mm -hmm. She seemed to have suffered a degree of intolerance that's way worse than from the right wing. Mm -hmm. That's what she said. Mm -hmm. And that's what blew everyone. That's why she was, like I say, viciously attacked by the left wing. Mm -hmm. And I think I can say this. I have little respect for people like Sean Hannity, Candace mm -hmm. Owens, and people like that. Forgive me if you guys like those people, but I have little respect for those people mm -hmm. <laughs> from Fox News and whatnot. But they said something when they were interviewing her. They're like, we've been saying this all along, that there is some level of hypocrisy from the left. So basically, mm -hmm. Marion Williamson said she was shocked or thrown aback by hypocrisy from the left. So what do you think about that? Or, from the left? Mm, okay. Basically saying we, we're tolerant unless... You, you disagree with them. Right. And then you see another side. That's you true. Know? And one of the reasons, like, for me personally, my values align so much with the conservatives mm. because of that reason. Most of the extreme left, that mm. is, right? Mm -hmm. They preach tolerance, just as she said, but they're not tolerant. I've seen sometimes people asking questions mm. and they get very, very angry like they were insulting on social media right mm -hmm. these are leftist uh groups so for me she said the truth mm. based on what i have seen mm -hmm. i'm not from the left but from what i have seen when someone even tries to ask questions be it on gender be it on race or anything they're very attacked even if they're from the left but that's the contrary on the right that's the good side of the right i can say that when you are for them they'll tend to protect you in a way i feel i, I see that except for the for the trump cult following there's there's a, a certain people who support trump no matter what trump does they defend it i mean like no matter what trump does and i i feel like that's dangerous i, I think you find also the same people in the left mm. in the left for instance Let's take Obama. Mm. There are things that he didn't do right. Mm. But those mm. extreme leftists, if you mention something wrong about Obama, oh, yeah. oh my mm. goodness, you would be crucified. Mm -hmm. I think you find those kind of people on both sides. Well, I guess to wrap it up, I recently read that you are a very large music lover of a bunch of different <laughs> genres yeah depending on your mood right. which i completely agree with <laughs> i love all types of music but there's just some things i can't listen to first thing in the morning yeah. <laughs> yeah. so i guess my question is what is your what are you feeling in this moment what what kind of music would you jump to after this <laughs> right now I feel so much South African. I love mm -hmm. South African mm -hmm. music. Like I, I feel. I don't know. 
I don't know if you've listened to their music, even if you don't understand. Okay, me. Yeah. I don't understand <laughs> the, the language. The intro. That's South African music. Oh, yeah. I, I, no, I, no, I, I'm on I'm with you. <laughs> like, I don't understand the language, but I, I don't know. They, they went through so much to the point that their only entertainment was music mm-hmm. that in in the entire Africa, I don't see anyone that can sing better than them when it comes mm-hmm. to acapella. Mm-hmm. No, honestly, mm-hmm. no one in Africa, like Africans love music yeah. parties. Yeah. You see the Nigeria Afrobeat and all mm-hmm. that, but South Africans, they went through so much. I'm talking about the black yeah. South Africans yeah. that when they start singing, oh my goodness mm. it's, you feel it in here I in feel your it, heart I do. and that tingling in your yes. chest yes I know exactly yes. what you're talking yes. about yeah oh. those people I don't know even the ones who tell you I can't sing but when they sing you're like shut mm. up you can't sing you're like please don't stop though <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah well yeah. that sounds great because I think that's Sounds like good music to listen to after something like this. Or, or, or Bob Marley's One Love. One yeah. Love. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. Now that's something yeah. I can listen yeah. to in any yeah. mood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. oh yeah. that's great. Well, mm-hmm. I guess if you want to catch more of Alberta, you can definitely check out her podcast, Heart to Heart, where you can also yeah. catch Danny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 I'm in the you know behind for, the for YouTube. I'm what David is. Scene. What David is. <laughs> oh, by the way, guys, did you know we have the David Hutchinson <laughs> in the studio? So if my voice sounds like Forrest Whitaker or I don't know Wesley Snipes and she sounds like Beyonce, I don't know. David is the one who's like adjusting all that kind of stuff. So also like for Alberta, I'm just behind. The, I I really don't do much really. She does all the work. I'm behind the scenes. You, so. can, you can see yourself in some of those videos. <laughs> my side and something like that voice so, yeah. or something i love yeah. it <laughs> yeah. no but thank you for joining us today it was very very nice very nice and kind of you to join us in our podcast thanks for here me. Yes. thanks for having me yeah and you should, you should listen to um to to uh, the podcast we did with a mutual friend of ours regan regan oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh i love that guy yes. oh man oh, every, everybody loves regan i can everybody loves i don't know i've never met one person who didn't have a nice tidbit or story or a whimsical thing to say about regan yeah, yeah. that man is a character yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah we yeah. Ha- you, could, you could listen to our, our podcast with him it was really it was i think it was a success yeah. it was good it was raw so yeah (laughs) well thank you yeah thanks guys for tuning in see you next time see ya